0: Hello, and thank you for tuning into this, the fourth episode of Travel the Bible. I am your host, the Reverend Neil Brooks, and I invite you to journey with me through the Bible. We will travel through all 66 books of the Bible, making stops in each book to talk about some of the stories that you might have heard before and some that may be entirely new to you. Our journey continues this week with the book of Numbers. Our main passage will be Numbers chapter 20, verses 6 through 12, starting with verse 6. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You can bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community, and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Today's story is one that seems very similar to the one that we looked at in Exodus. The Israelites are walking through the desert, And they don't have any water they complain Moses asks God for help and then water comes out of a rock now it is important that we consider this story as similar to the other because these are the same people on the same journey with mostly the same problems they have already seen this miracle water has already been brought out of a rock for them before yet they are still afraid that They will not have any water when they need it. Now we've all been there. Despite the fact that we know everything's gonna work out, we often lean into our fears because it seems so easy. Courage, trust in the Lord can be hard when things don't seem to be going right in the moment. For the Israelites, they knew that the Lord could create water out of the rocks in the desert, but they were still bound to their human fears of dehydration and death. At this point in their journey, the Israelites have traveled for somewhere around 39 years. They are unimaginably tired, and I'm sure they are always stressed and on edge. When they set out from Egypt, they were told that they were going to go to the Promised Land. The whole 40 years in the desert part was buried somewhere in the terms and conditions. the rock that Moses struck in Exodus had been giving them water for the last 39 years. But after Moses' sister Miriam died, the water dried up. So that is what brought them into their current situation. The well, which had worked for the entirety of their journey since Mount Sinai, suddenly stopped giving them water. Now this would, rightly so, scare them. Their only water source, which they had depended on for their lives, their children's lives, and their livestock for 39 years, has dried up out of nowhere. We can think of this in our own lives. We may not have a rock that water has been coming out of for 39 years, but we all worry about when the good things we have are gone. We'll be losing a job, the end of a relationship, or even the loss of a loved one. Sometimes the good times last for months, years, decades. But the well eventually dries up. When that happens, we are often left wondering why. It is important that we remember that God is with us. He sees our struggles and helps us figure out how to move forward the Israelites, the way forward was a new rock that would also provide them with water. This was, after all, the most likely outcome. God had, at this point in their journey, already provided water twice. He provided food and guidance. So they had no reason to believe that he couldn't or wouldn't do it again. But the Israelites were always quick to doubt. That God was with them. In this story, there's a difference in God's expectations for Moses. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 6, it says, Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. In Exodus, Moses is told to strike the rock, whereas Numbers chapter 20, verse 8, Moses is told, Speak the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. The difference seems small. Strike the rock, talk to the rock. Either way, it's just a rock. But to God, the directions are important. I read in a commentary that the reason there was such an important difference is that God was telling Moses to show the community that God was the one doing the action because all Moses had to do was ask. Now verses 10 and 11 say, Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of the rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. The Israelites easily could interpret this as Moses causing the miracle himself. Moses asks if we, meaning him and Aaron, needed to bring water from the rock. And then, he did just that. He hit the rock, and here comes the water. Had Moses listened to God and simply spoken to the rock, he would have shown just how powerful God was to these people there would have been no more room for doubt that God was the almighty creator who could bring water from the rock. For the community that had continually doubted God for the entirety of their journey, this would have been... Mm. For the community that had continually doubted God for the entirety of their journey, this would have been an important reminder of why they had followed Moses in the first place. Because God was leading Moses to lead them. Now let's be honest for a moment with ourselves. The consequences for Moses striking the rock instead of talking to it, which previously he had been told to do, seemed a little harsh. Verse 12 says, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Now Moses has led these people for 39 years through wilderness and desert. He knew from the beginning that all of this would be worth it when he led them into the promised land. Now, that motivation, that reason for doing all of this was gone for a simple act of frustration on his part. Now, there are a lot of interpretations on why Moses was punished so severely for what seemed like such a simple thing. Yeah. <sighs> 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 Now, there are two of these, and I mean there's probably a dozen, that made a lot of sense to me. I've already mentioned one. So the first reason is simply because Moses' actions took away from God's glory. Moses made it seem like he was the one responsible for the water and the rock. Now, to me, this seems the most logical reason. You know, he's putting himself in the place of God. God has to respond to that. Now the other reason that lined up nicely with the scripture is that Moses simply didn't trust in God himself. God said that water would come out of the rock, with Moses simply speaking, yet instead he struck the rock twice. Moses had a special relationship with God among the Israelites. He personally knew God because he had the chance to speak with God directly on many occasions. Moses was chosen by God and set apart from the rest of the people as their chosen leader. Yet even though he had seen God do everything that he said he would, Moses still chose to add in his own actions to make sure that the miracle worked. So now, why twice? Why did Moses strike the rock twice instead of just once? Well, we don't really know, but probably it didn't work. Moses had no power to bring water from the rock, that was God. And God told Moses to talk, not to strike the rock. So, when Moses struck the rock with his staff, nothing would have happened. But when it became clear that Moses was not going to follow God's directions, God showed his mercy and still provided the Israelites water to drink. Today, God is still telling us to speak to the rocks, and he is still bringing forth water even when we choose to strike the rock instead. I think it's important to address the idea of doubt in your faith. We are far more like the Israelites than we are, Moses. God had a lot of expectations for Moses, because he was chosen to lead the Israelites and to meet with God in person, directly. Moses Had no reason to ever doubt God. And he was unique. Among the Israelites. You are not Moses. And neither am I. God expects us. To have doubt. We are expected. To wrestle with issues. In faith. This is normal. If you are struggling. In your own faith this week. I want you to know. That that's okay. Faith is a journey, and a very personal one at that. Your relationship with God is different than the person next to you. When those questions and those doubts about your faith do arise, I invite you to explore them, not to ignore them. The Bible is full of people who doubted their faith, from Abraham all the way through to the disciple Thomas they doubted, they questioned. In the Gospel of John, Thomas doubted that Jesus rose from the dead because he had not seen it himself. Jesus chose to respond to Thomas by showing him a week later, answering all of Thomas's questions and doubts. Jesus here is showing us that doubt is okay. When you have doubts, go to God with your questions. The book of Job, yes, I really do mean pretty much the whole book, is basically Job just complaining about everything that had gone wrong in his life and yelling at God, blaming God for all the bad things. Now towards the end of the book, starting in chapter 38, the Lord speaks to Job. Now, God is very, very direct. Verse 4 of chapter 38 of the book of Job says, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? So God very directly responds to Job. But he still chooses to answer a lot of Job's doubts in his response. And then at the end of the book, in Job chapter 42, verse 7, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me, as my servant Job has. And God goes on to reward Job for his doubting and his complaining. Even though Job's friends, who God just called out, we're far more faithful and far better servants. When we truly engage in a relationship with God, just as when we engage in any other relationship, there will be questions and doubts that arise, and that is okay. It is important that we do not let these doubts consume us and overwhelm the truth that we know in our hearts. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Doubt is okay, but do not lose trust in the Lord, for he will lead you to understanding. God is with us, he is there to help us figure out our doubts in our struggles. So how then do we lean into our doubts and still trust God? First, we must acknowledge whether our doubts are human or divine. Are we doubting something that is critical to our faith, or are we just worried? Do we doubt that God is with us, as the Israelites often did, or are we just worried? about paying the bills. While those are both important, and doubts for either one can cause a lot of distress, they must be handled differently. Only God can prove to you that God is there, and if you look for the signs and you ask for the proof, he will provide it. Maybe God won't be as direct in your life as bringing water from a rock Instead, he might speak to you through a friend, a commercial, a song, a sign. But God is there, and he is trying to remind you that he is real, and he cares about you. Now when our doubts are more human-based, we still can rely on God, but we must also handle them as humans. If God can bring water out of a rock in the desert and keep that going for 39 years and then do it all again when the water dries up, then God can bring to us all that we need. Sometimes God will not answer our prayers in the way we think he will or even the way we want him to. Sometimes God asks us to answer prayers for him. Just as he asked Moses to speak to the rock and bring water out of it, he asks us to take on roles in our communities. When we do good works in the community, it is important to recognize God's role in it. We acknowledge the wonderful work that we can do, while also attributing the success to God. Let us, for a moment, think about a specific mission project that many of you may have heard of or worked on in the past. Operation Christmas Child. This is an organization that collects donations, they are packed into shoeboxes, and they are sent all over the world so that children in third-world countries who are suffering from a lack of resources, the devastation of war, and mass displacement, can still experience a little bit of joy during the holidays. It is through missions like this that we can do God's work in the world. We are called to do these things to share in the love of Christ, but do not think even for a moment This is not also answering the prayers of those children and families. When we set out to help the poor, the hungry, and the homeless, we are doing God's work. God does not abandon his people. He is the one who pulls water from the rock, but just as he did in Exodus and Numbers and many other places throughout the scripture, Sometimes God chooses to use us to reveal those miracles to others. So the next time you have an opportunity to do good and help others, enjoy the feeling. Enjoy the feeling that you made someone's day, their week, maybe even their life better. But remember that God is the one who made you and gave you those feelings so that you would go into the world and make a difference. Do not forget that you are sharing the love of Christ with the world, and that itself is a miracle. A miracle that the world needs now more than ever. I pray that we can find more ways to do God's work, that our actions can benefit his kingdom here on earth, Matthew chapter 6 verses 33 and 34, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. So it is easy for us to dwell on what is to come, lose sight of what we can do today the church should serve as a beacon in the community, focused not on our own desires and concerns, but on the needs of those around us. For a church without a mission is just a building. When Jesus commanded his disciples, they were not instructed to gather in a building on Sunday morning and teach. Instead, they were instructed Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So what did Jesus command them? He commanded the disciples, feed the hungry, let the thirsty drink, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, visit the sick and the imprisoned and above all, love one another as I have loved you. And that is what we are called to do. We are called to serve our communities, not ourselves. This week, I leave you with this benediction. Go in peace and remember that he who can pull water from the rock is acting in your life to bring forth everything that you need. Amen.